Happy New Year! What if, what if this drops on New Year's Eve? Uh, it's still Happy New Year. You say Happy New Year. <laughs> still. I, I, Dang it! This is gonna. Are you gonna do the same thing when it's uh, Epiphany and uh, it's Orthodox New Year? Who can Who can say? <laughs> but this was the obvious thing to do. Now the, the only thing that's that's I'm mildly mildly worried about is because people are looking for the most recent episode and listening for the first few words as to like you know what's right. going on. They're gonna hear Happy New Year for like three episodes in a row, which also I think is funny. So that's why. That's hilarious. But uh, yeah, I mean, if this drops Friday. Then it'll be the first, right? It'll be the new yeah. year. That's right. The only new year that you, Father Harrison, recognize. That's right, exactly. I only recognize one new year, and that's it. The one that follows the Gregorian calendar. Well, I've got my overlapping New Year's. It's making a mm-hmm. New Year's sandwich of St. Joseph, the new liturgical year, and the new cosmological year, calendar year. <laughs> I don't know how science works, um, which will be... Interesting. Now that I'm, we're going to talk about science in our presbyteral exhortations. Ooh, That's right. foreshadowing. Ooh. Hey, but yeah. you had a Christmas. How was your Christmas? Ah, uh, quiet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Weirdly, right. It was really. It felt weird coming home on uh, Christmas Eve after we did a 5 p.m. stream mass, and then I went home, mm-hmm. and the prisoners, some prisoners, dropped off some dinner, and I went to bed at 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Wow. And I woke up on Christmas Day, prayed. Made a brec- made a nice big breakfast with some back bacon and hash browns and toast, oh, and then sounds Skyped lovely. with some family. Yep, it was, I never get to have the Christmas breakfast, so I was like, I was no. just taking full advantage of it. Yeah. Then I went and said mass at eleven a.m. and we're in, in BC right now, so if you're a single person, you're allowed to be with one household uh, right now. So I have some fr- I have some friends, Ben and Julie, who are listeners to the podcast, who uh, had me over for Christmas dinner that night, and. Ben made an amazing turkey. It was so juicy. He deboned it beforehand, and so it was like so juicy oh, and tender. Yeah, it was so good. And I made mashed potatoes with. And I, I learned a secret: mm-hmm. don't use a masher for your mashed potatoes when you're making them. Use, use a your mixer. Use a stand mixer. Yeah. So you just put the potatoes in. You put your stuff in, and you just let it. You just let it spin. Harrison, I feel like every time you come up with some like culinary discovery, like ninety percent of our audience oh. is like, "Yeah, of course, Harrison." Father Harrison, this is what but normal people do. I've never seen anyone use a stand mixer for mashed potatoes. I'm pretty sure my family's always done that. My family hasn't. Oh, interesting. Oh, my mom always so, does it by hand. It might be just the French Canadian thing. So yeah. yes, it might be just a way to get out your aggression. You know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hidden, <laughs> hidden hatred for the Irish oh, You're my, crushing my, the potatoes my dang or something. Ghost. <laughs> well, it was it was still a. I mean, I imagine your Christmas was a bit surreal. Uh, so is mine. Maybe not yeah. as much as yours, um, because you had to do like a stream mass for Christmas, which yeah. Um, but we did a weird thing. We had a two p.m. outdoor Christmas vigil mass. Mm-hmm. Now we got permission from our bishop to do that, and so it was all legal and all that good stuff. It was pouring down, freezing rain the entire time. Um, I uh, brought Ziploc bags, so we had the saboria. And you mm-hmm. put the saboria with the host in the Ziploc bag to shield it from the rain. Mm-hmm. Now, we had an umbrella. So we've been doing this. So whenever we go out to the cars, we have somebody with us to hold hand sanitizer and a purificator just in case there's any contamination or whatever. So we've got this whole system. And they're also supposed to hold umbrellas. 
Now, I don't know if you uh, people listening realize this, but if you think about it, you will. Most people who volunteer for stuff are little ladies, short-wise. So right. this lady could yes. not hold an umbrella over my head. God bless her. She was there with the hand sanitizer and, you know, mm-hmm. a great volunteering and stuff. But I just gave communion to like a hundred different cars, freezing rain pouring down the entire time. I couldn't see anything. We had them stay in their cars, so I couldn't tell who received communion and who didn't. We're trying to yell across the parking lot to the other Eucharistic ministers, the other priests, trying to figure mm-hmm. out who got which section. And normally we have it mapped out, but there's there's way more. So after that mass, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. But there's no time to be exhausted because you got 4 p.m. mass right after that. And so we did that. It was good. Then I had the weirdest time period for me as a priest. Mm-hmm. The time between a 4 p.m. Christmas mass and a midnight mass. Oh, yes. I saw this on Twitter. It's weird because I will stay up to 1 o'clock just by happenstance. You know, right. that'll be a right. normal thing that I'll do. You know, uh, I, maybe I shouldn't do it, but it happens. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you're like scheduled to do something at 12 o'clock, it's a whole different feeling. Mm-hmm. And this is the story I want to tell. Okay. So it was like 8 o'clock and I was real sleepy. I was like, man, I want to have some energy for this mass because I really like, you know, the midnight mass. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to take a nap. And I knew it was dangerous because last year I tried to take a nap at like at 6 o'clock and I woke up like sweaty and gross. It was a total death nap, the worst experience ever. Mm-hmm. I drank two cups of coffee after that, still could not get awake. Christmas cheer did wake me up for mass, and that was good. And I stayed up until like four o'clock in the morning. Okay. But I'm not a person who learns from his mistakes, so I did it again. Mm -hmm. I set five different alarms. I set them all for AM, not PM. Oh, no. So I'm sleeping, and I get a phone call from my parents because they were going to come up for the midnight mass. And they were calling at like 10.45 to tell me that they couldn't make it because of the, the rain had turned into freezing rain, had turned into snow. They weren't going to drive. And I'm glad they didn't because it was really dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. But if they hadn't called me, I would have slept through midnight mass. Wow. So a weird way of God's providence working in my life. I was awake in plenty of time to get ready for the midnight mass. And yeah. it, it was a really nice nap too. I felt great. Mm-hmm. So it was just a very weird blessing I received. But you didn't decide to like set an alarm because like that's an important, yeah. I wait. I did set. An oh, alarm. sorry. Right, right. You did for the AM. Sorry, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot that. No, I wasn't just gonna go to bed at eight o'clock. <laughs> I was gonna you know, set my alarms. I can't. Uh, I can't. If I do a nap at eight o'clock, I'm done. It's, I'm over. It's over. Like it's in the sense of like, well, a, I suck at napping. But b, right. If I could take a nap at that time, I know I won't fall asleep later on. Sure. And don't get me wrong, an 8 p.m. nap is not my normal nap time if I Mm -hmm. were to take one. This was Mm -hmm. special circumstances. But, uh, you know, my garden angel, uh, working through my parents in a snowstorm, it was wonderful. Now, of course, after Christmas Mass, I'm always all, like, fired up. Right. Uh, So I ended up going to bed at, like, 3. But, yeah, Christmas, even though it was weird, it was still (laughs) good. Nice. Yeah, I've been like I've been kind of enjoying the quiet quietness in some in many ways. Like because off listen, this is the yeah. I'll, we'll talk a bit more about this in a second, but it's just that it, it, the, the quietness of Christmas week is always enjoyable as a priest. You just enjoy the liturgy. You enjoy the time that has been given. Everything slows down for a week or so. It's kind of nice. It's actually quite great. Did you got how much did you so did you have dinner with your parents at all over Christmas? Yeah, so after yeah. Sunday, I went to my parents' place, 
I didn't have any masses Saturday and we didn't have confessions. So I stayed with them, you know, uh, uh, Saturday and then nice. came back for a holy family. And so how yeah, much, it was nice. How much tortellini did you make? No, no tortellini, just ravioli. Or ravioli. Sorry, why do I always get that mixed up? I mean, a good guess. It sounds it's like still, a, it's still it's still stuffed pasta. Yeah, stuffed pasta. Uh, so yeah, that's what we had. Ravioli. We had stuffed that's... pasta for dinner. It so, was amazing and delicious. Next time I come to Pittsburgh, will your parents make the ravioli for me? Ooh, see, that's not my decision. That's my dad's, and uh-huh. I don't think he's gonna give ravioli to a to a heathen. I don't think he's gonna do that. Hmm. That's not even an exaggeration. Um, but Nick Sharapa, he would uh-huh. make you ravioli. He can do okay. it. Okay. He good. does a great job too. But okay, uh, I think my dad would delight too much in having you come all the way from Canada to and try ravioli no. and, and to say no. That would give yeah. him great delight. Gotcha. Um, Interesting. So you, you understand where I get some of my uh, sense of humor from? Yes. But, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of an Arrested Development joke, but I'm not going to say it. Good. You got anything else you want to talk about? Well, are, are you going to welcome us to the podcast? Yeah, now I am. <laughs> You're so awake right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. So, yeah. So, like as I was saying, it's a, it's been a quieter time. And so, our office is closed for the week. I usually, I mean... I always do this on Christmas week. I think it's important because in the end, our secretaries, our administrators, they always work more than the hours they're paid for. Yes. So they deserve the quietness. It's also nice as a priest. I mean, listen, it has been slower lately, but it's just nice to know I don't have to be in the office every day. I, I still got stuff to do. I got work to do right. and, and stuff, but it's a nice slower time. So uh, today, <clears throat> one of the parishioners has, has uh, Chris, who who listens to the podcast sometimes. Uh, Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. He he's a uh, he's a family man with five kids, and uh, they were. He was like, "Hey, we should go for a walk sometime. Like, go for a hike somewhere." So uh, we decided to choose today, and so I went for a hike at one o'clock, and uh, really hmm. beautiful trail. We went. Actually, we saw some um, we saw some seals in the water, uh, um, making their way up 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 the water in the inlet. That's cool. Which is really cool. Um, and uh, it was a beautiful walk. Great conversation. Was that there for about? We went. For, it was about a two-hour walk. Uh, I said, give, "Keep it an easy trail," because I am massively out of shape. Uh, this is <laughs> my, my both my doctor and my dentist are going to hate me right now because I got a Slurpee, but I feel like I earned it today. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I get back to the car. Yeah, it was a really nice walk. Like, I, here's the thing: I love hiking. Actually, I really mm-hmm. like it. I will never do it by myself. Because I have a phobia of dogs and today proved helpful because we came across some people who always like take their dogs off the leash and let them just roam. And so Chris was a nice barrier (laughs) when those dogs came up. Um, And I just have a hard time like focus. Like I need an excuse. Like I need a a commitment to really keep me to go somewhere. So uh, um, that was really helpful. Uh, Just saying, yeah, we're going to go. So that was really good. Um, So I get back to the car, though. Uh, think okay, time to go home, get ready to go record a podcast. And I checked my voicemail and there was an emergency call while I was on the hike. And mm-hmm. the the hiking place was about 20, 25 minutes from the rectory. And the care home was like five, 10 minutes away from where I was. I thought I saw myself, great, I'll just go straight there. Because he was on his last legs. He, you know, could be an hour, could be a day, but you don't want to take your chances, right? No. And I usually keep my oils in the car. Because that's a smart thing to do. Yeah. That's why I usually keep mine. Not, they weren't there. Oh, no. 
So I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, I could go to the church, but I don't want to risk it right now. And there was a grocery store right next, pretty much next door to the care home. Mm-hmm. So I walked into the grocery store. I bought some olive oil. I bought uh, some Ziploc bags and I bought some um, um, cotton, cotton balls. balls. Yeah. And I got in the car. I opened the Ziploc bag. I took, I opened up the bottle of oil and I just doused one of the cotton balls in oil and I placed it in the bag. Went to the care home. Now, this care home uh, is actually, this was not a COVID anointing, but they do have an outbreak there. So that was a little nerve wracking. That was a little nerve wracking in and of itself. Have you done any COVID anointings? Uh, Yeah, a bunch. Yeah, it's it's kind of nerve wracking a little bit, you know? Yeah, the first one, the first one was, but now I'm kind of used to it. Okay. It's like, all right, suit me up. Time for spaceman priest. Yeah. So thankfully, they didn't have to suit me up because it wasn't in the ward where right. there's the outbreak. They just locked it down. There's no interactions. He was in a ward that's pretty locked down regularly anyways because it's like, I think it was, yeah, patients who don't have all their mental faculties and stuff um, and, and those who are on palliative care. So I go and anoint. So I, I go into the room. I take the cotton swab out that's loaded with oil because I didn't want it like hanging around the bag and I place yeah. it on a tissue. So this is for people who don't know this. There's actually in the prayers for anointing, there is the ability to bless oil if you can't have it. This is the second time this has happened to me. I went to a care home when with my oil stock, I open it up. It was empty <laughs> because someone had just cleaned it and and burnt it all because we were just about to have chrism mass and so i didn't know that and so we go into the kitchen in that one and got oil and put it in the oil stock and uh blessed it right so yeah the priest can bless new oil so that's why i took it out of the bag so this the oil on the cotton ball was blessed and then i anointed him with the cotton ball and i placed and i just rolled it up in the tissue so i can burn it later um but and then anointed prayed them to pr- gave them the apostolic pardon and uh, prayed the commendation of the dying and everything and it was very short because I was just me and him there was no family there right now or anything and uh, and uh, it was good I was, I'm glad it worked out so uh, but it was just uh, one of those moments of like all right I'm sure the people in the store are like cotton balls Ziploc bags and oil. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's a yeah, unique it's weird it's yeah it's weird and i can't explain it to you because it won't make sense just right. just 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 check me out <laughs> don't worry it's just catholic things don't worry about it yeah so it was just it was one of those fun little experiences so i didn't waste time getting going back and forth to get the oil oh that's neat and you that, know i've and never that, yeah and i have yeah, extra i've never oil. actually had the uh reason to do that though even like in the our little books do you have one of those little green books with the uh prayers for the sick and everything yep Yep. Yeah. It's like the blessings in there, isn't it? Yep. It is. It's yeah. actually part of the rite. It says if you need to bless the oil, do this. Yeah. So it's it's right there. It's a there. nice little blessing too. Just the wording. Is it is. Nice. Yeah. No. It is. It's quite neat. It's just. Uh, it was just. It's just one of those unique uh, situations that priests tend to face. Uh, summa tweetologica. Woo. Summa tweetologica. Summa tweetologica. Summa tweetologica. Summa tweetologica. We talk of The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas's summary of theology. The Summa Tweetologica is our, summer, our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. 
First up here is a tweet from Tommy Ty at the G H at the G H is silent. He says, sometimes I think to myself, nope, that's not what I wanted to read. Sorry, Tommy. Why did I even have yours? I'm not, I'm not going to read your tweet. I don't want to read your tweet. <laughs> What's Psych. the tweet I want to read? Take it's that, like, Tommy. It, it's, it's, like try, it's like when we invited him on the podcast all the time, and then he, mm-hmm. we, we ran out of time. Where is the tweet I wanted to read? Something I don't about know. Confession. There we go. I think it's the first time I've like live rejected a tweet on the podcast, so that's, <laughs> that's an honor. Amazing. You're welcome, Tommy, if you still listen. Uh, this is from Matt Swaim at Matt Swaim. Uh, priest friends, I don't know if you ever tire of pronouncing the words of absolution, but I, for one, never tire of hearing them. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was thinking about that. Do I ever tire of saying the words of absolution? No. And the answer is definitely no. Definitely no. But I was thinking about, like, so before Christmas, we had a lot of confessions. And I could tell there was a big line because people were coming one way after another. So when I tell, when I can tell that's happening, mm-hmm. I shorten any kind of spiritual advice. I mm-hmm. kind of move things along. Because sometimes if it's not a big line and people just want to talk, I'll just let them. Mm-hmm. Because why not? You know, yep. it, it, the time's available and I'm okay yep. with it. Um, but in those, like, long lines for confession... Uh, the words can be very mechanical. Yeah. So I'm just you know saying the words, going to the next person, going to the next person. But it's not something like I tire of. Right. You know, I'm always happy to do it. I'm always happy to uh, hear a lot of confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just a good reminder to me that like while the spiritual advice is a good thing, while like a little bit of quasi spiritual action is good, mm-hmm. um, and even if you can come up with a uh, not elaborate but kind of tailor made penance, like that's mm-hmm. nice too. Mm-hmm. But also, just giving someone a simple penance and giving them the, the sacrament, it's a reminder that, like, I don't have to be a spiritual Yoda to have God's grace work through me. It's a reminder in those times when I'm just, like, person after person that I really can't see all the grace that's happening, but I know it is. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I ever tire of it, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes it is. It's kind of mechanical, but in the back of my mind, I... That doesn't bother me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, ever since becoming a priest, and this happens more and more and more, I appreciate the words of absolution when I hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, something about that contrast of saying them all the time and me only hearing them like once a month, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a good schedule for me. But mm-hmm. I definitely take in those words way more than I used to. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't really tire of it. It can become mechanical sometimes, and thank God that that's... I mean, hey, it's the same. Sometimes that happens with saying Mass. But thankfully, it doesn't depend on our effort. The work is worked bef- besides us, right? Um, so God does his work regardless of how we how well, how well much into it or how felt it is or whatever. Right. You know, um, uh, but they're they're really beautiful and important words. And, and, uh, and I really don't like it. Like in some ways I've, I've always kind of said that confession is my favorite sacrament to celebrate. Um, just because it really is a powerful time of mercy. You, I mean, for me, what's really powerful about it is you really get to hear where your parishioners are at. Yes. Without obviously revealing anything, acting on it or anything like that, but you get insights into what people's needs are so that maybe in a general sense, it might help influence you're preaching a bit more in the sense of not, and again, not addressing maybe particular things, but just saying more like, wow, families are really struggling or uh, people are feeling lonely or wow, there's a lot of addiction or whatever it might be. There's all sorts of stuff you can talk about, right? 
you just get a sense of the um, spiritual needs of people in a very powerful way. And so you don't really tire of that ever. Right. I, again, like, listen, there are times where, yes, I definitely perhaps could pay better attention in, in confession, hearing it or whatever, right? Listen, yeah. we, it all happens to all of us. As long as I heard, though, that's all that matters. Um, and as long as I say those words of absolution, that's all that matters. And, yeah. and, and uh, it, I mean, it's really beautiful. And even if, let's say you go to a confession where maybe the priest is tired of it. <laughs> but he still says it, and that's yeah. what matters, right? Yeah. So it, it's just, it's a, it, it's really, yeah, confession is beautiful and awesome. And I never tire of hearing that whenever people say, hey, as long as I have time, if people are like, hey, Father, can you hear my confession? Yeah, like, let's do that. Because yeah. I, I just, I've, it's one of those sacraments I've just never resisted or tired of, even if it's inconvenient. It's just like, yes, let's do that right now. And I've also always appreciated how willing any of my brother priests have been to hear my confession. Mm -hmm. like to pull them aside the answer is always immediately yes mm -hmm. um so that's just kind of another i mean they would do it for me even if i wasn't a priest but something about right. that um is also special well so, i think yes. it's because it's we know how hard it is sometimes for us to get to confession it, it is it right? is yeah i mean you you have the blessing of at least being near you have a lot more priests in your diocese than i do yes right if i want confession i probably have to travel an hour somewhere to go for it at least mm-hmm Right. So it's, uh, yeah, priests are, you know, and then again, priests generally will say yes. There's time we'll have to say no, maybe because we're three minutes before mass or we're yeah, on our way to another appointment. It's not that we don't want to, but generally nice. Like I, I would say 90% of the time I'll say yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Uh, all right. I am going to go with, okay. We have to do sister Teresa, uh, sister Helena's. Uh, I almost said Sister no, Teresa. No, we don't. No, we yes, don't. We, do. we choose yes, we do. to. We choose uh, to. I almost said Sister Teresa. We Tre freely I choose to I out of the goodness of, of our hearts. I kind of confused Sister Teresa and Sister Helena for a second there by calling Sister Helena Sister Teresa, but, you know, what's the difference? All those nuns and sisters, they're all the same. They're all the same. They're all the they're same. They're all just, just cookie cutter, pious, no personality. Yeah, exactly. No personality exactly. Just all. like priests. Exactly. <laughs> a quick little aside before I do the tweet, before I do the tweet. So I got okay. in a lot of trouble on Twitter. Yeah. From the sisters. Rightfully so. Because I've now listened to two episodes of their podcast, Good. which I really, I do really enjoy it. Although which it's is called very the Daughters, called the, the Daughters, Daughters Project. 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 Yeah. If you can find this podcast, you can find them. Of course, uh, the first day I listened to it is the end of their season. Yeah, but you because can still like, listen. But I'm like, okay, here's okay. Before I do the tweet, just quickly, priests are busy, right? I mean, yeah, usually got a lot of work to do. Uh. uh do we have seasons, Father Anthony? Um, we don't. We no, just kind of do one every week. We do one every week. Yeah. Hmm. We've only missed one. One week. Yeah. In hmm. two years. Yep. Two and a half. Yeah. Hmm. Makes you think. It does make you think, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Let's just, yeah. Anyways, all right, uh, Sister Helena, <laughs> this just happened. We nuns were caroling, wassailing inside our mother house tonight at each nativity scene. There are scads of creches everywhere, and quelle horreur, there was no baby at one creche. Sister K, oh, I have a baby Jesus in my pocket. Problem solved. And I was just, I thought this was hilarious 
and this was such a nun thing and or such and such a religious sister thing and it was so beautiful and hilarious and i'm like only a religious sister would carry a infant jesus in her pocket okay wait, wait you said it was like a nun thing or religious thing mm-hmm. i would like to take a poll of religious sisters how mm-hmm. many of you sisters carry around a baby jesus in your pocket you do you would honestly be surprised at this time of year, at least, because she was probably she probably had it in pocket because she was probably one of the ones setting up all the creches and probably had extra baby Jesuses hanging around. See, interesting. I wonder if, like, so I remember when I was younger and I would get like a really cool pen at like the the Scholastic Book Fair or something. I would mm-hmm. always carry it around in my pocket because I would hope for someone needing a pen and not having one, and I could right. be there with my pen. Of course, it never happened because it's not like a urgent need that most people have. Was it like one a, of those clicky multicolor pens? Oh yeah, like that, yeah. or maybe it was like a cool image of a cartoon I liked, or whatever else it was. Yeah. You know, I yeah. wonder if this is a spiritual equivalent of that. Like, you know, maybe I'll just put. Maybe someone's gonna need a baby Jesus. I'm just gonna keep. Maybe that made her day. That finally, <laughs> she got to help someone out with a baby Jesus. Maybe she's been doing this her whole uh, mm-hmm. religious life. Every year, she puts one in her pocket just in case for that moment. Uh, it's very possible. You see, my, my it's like I spent a year, with, as we know, with the MCs, and, and yeah. you'd be surprised what sisters carry, carry around with them. Like that, like the MCs, for example, they always have that big blue bag that they carry around with them. Okay. And there's always, they've always got rosaries and prayer books and ca- holy cards to give out to people, and uh, it's quite amazing. It, it's it's uh, it's impressive what sisters can have hanging around i think i think we here's the thing i think we don't get this because we're guys we yes we, we put what we can in our pockets uh, but women in general my experience careful. is they i know they have a careful well it, it's it's the equivalent of like have of, of someone having a purse like like okay if i'm out at advil i know i could go to a female parishioner in the parish and say, hey, do you have any Advil? And I know they're going to have okay. it in their bag, you know? So, so I guess that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's not a bad thing. It's this. a good thing. I, I will say this. When I'm hanging out with some of my female friends and I'm yeah. hungry, I'm like, hey, do you have any snacks? Especially if they're a mom. And the right. answer is yes, they do. Yes, exactly. like, yay! Yeah. Here's some animal crackers. Cheese crackers, yeah! <laughs> animal crackers, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going to get. It's just... It's just uh, Femininity does not leave you when you enter religious life. It just no. expresses itself in a different way. Yes. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. That's maybe all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> but maybe that can be a, a, a more general practice. Have a skull on your desk and a baby Jesus in your pocket. That's, that's right. That's how, you, that's how you get to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was a very cute tweet, though. I thought this is – I laughed. Actually, I la- literally laughed out loud when mm-hmm. I read it. Yeah. It was really good. I would have loved to have been there. That would have been really fun. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. Yeah. All right. Let's. We're not talking about Christmas anymore. We're nope. talking about the opposite of Christmas. Not that we really S- talked about Christmas last week either. So we did. <laughs> we're good. We did. All of well, our like, um, opening talk was about Christmas. Oh, yeah, work. I guess so. But but our topics haven't been even close to that. <laughs> no. And no. This won't be either. This is the no. opposite of Christmas. Yes, this exactly. is science. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn <laughs> It's my favorite part. Oh, 
So, uh, Father Harrison, science, are you for or against it? I'm slightly for it. Okay, fair enough. So we're not talking about science in general. We're talking about the thing that a lot of people are talking about. We're going to talk about vaccines. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, it's weird. We live in a weird time where, like, seemingly normal s- subjects are, like, just way more intense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh, but why not? Like... Little things mean a big deal nowadays. Like a red hat. That's a very, that means a whole lot to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Right, right. You know, medicine means a lot of things to a lot of different people in different ways. Yep. And we just want to talk about uh, what's the deal with taking vaccines and are they morally licit? Are they legal? Are you a bad person or a good person? What does the church say about this? And then we can talk a little, you know, specifically about... Uh, the vaccines that are coming out for the COVID. Mm-hmm. So let's Sounds do that. good. So, okay, before we start, I'm just kind of yeah. curious. Why, you don't have to answer, but like, why, why, why did you choose this topic? I chose this topic um, because sometimes I find something that a lot of people feel passionate about that I don't, hmm. and then I find that very interesting. Hmm. And so that's part of it. It's like, whoa, a lot of people have a lot of feelings about this. I don't. There must be something interesting about this. But also, I think because more and more in Catholic media, there's different voices speaking up about this and saying different things. So it's confusing, right? Right. And one of the things that you know we've wanted to do from the start is kind of give normal orthodox opinions about things. Do right. we succeed in that all the time? No. no. Do we have biases? Obviously. But- I figured let's, uh, a lot of people listen to us, and so let's tell them what the church teaches in a way that's understandable. Great. Cool. Bring it cool. on. Okay. Um, whew. So this is interesting. So, what, Father Harrison, when was your last biomedical ethics class? I mean, that was actually one of, that was the last, so when I was in seminary, my last yeah. semester, you're actually going to get a longer answer than you expected here. Okay. <laughs> uh, just, uh, when I was in seminary, my last semester, all my classes were reading classes. I still hadn't done my biomedical ethics. And so the option was to do a, a reading course. As all my all my courses were going to be reading courses that semester, which was mm-hmm. not fun at all. And so I was so bored. I thought to, after the first semester, I said, well, can I – the person who's doing it, he's actually offering it to undergrads at U of A. Can I go and sit on, on the class and do it there? And everyone, we figured out a way to make it work, and they said yes. So it was literally the last actual class I took in seminary. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. So uh, also, you wrote a little article about this sort of thing. I did. Yes. Yes. Our Sunday Visitor. Yeah. Our Sunday Visitor News. Yeah. On specifically addressing concerns around the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, because I mean, they're the first two that were approved. Um, We do have two more coming down the pike, right? We have uh, AstraZeneca is the next one to probably reach approval. Um, It's got a few more loopholes or not loopholes, but uh, hoops to jump through. And Mm -hmm. then Johnson Johnson's a bit further behind. It probably won't hit approval till March or something like that is my expectation. Yeah. But, you know, on some level, it does make sense that there is some worry around the vaccine because that's been kind of the history of vaccines Um, or any kind of new medicine that's going to be used on a mass scale. It makes sense to be like, is this a good thing? Is this a dangerous thing? What are the more implications? So Mm -hmm. on a certain level, like, I think it's good that people are asking those questions and wondering those things. Uh, Right. Because we often don't. I mean, like when you're an infant, you just get immunized. 
right? Right. Like, so like, I'll give you an example. Actually, my mom was po- born during the polio pandemic, and she was born with polio. Uh, and she suffered from she has suffered from post polio complications her whole life mm-hmm. because she was actually one of the last people in Western Canada to have polio. Um, so I mean, it it shows you like these yeah these these vaccines can um, polio is a very like I think COVID's bad. I mean, polio is really bad. Yeah, <laughs> is I mean the health stuff my mom's gone through the rest of her life has just been so much suffering. So I mean, it's uh, these vac- so it's an important thing, but we're just used to it because we're and so we're and we're also not used to seeing uh, the consequences of not taking vaccines like we do right now, like right. in the sense of like if we don't take these things, COVID's going to continue to kind of play rampant. It's going to be quite rampant in society still. Right, and then you hear stories about um, like diseases breaking out in certain areas where people aren't vaccinated mm-hmm. that haven't been a thing in forever. But even like this, this does you know there's also a history of persuading the public to take vaccines or right. Take, like I think it, it might have been for the polio vaccine. I think didn't Elvis take that live on TV? That I have no idea about. I had no but idea. But like about. it's it's it's, um, and I totally get like. I think a lot of people are like, okay, I'll take it as long as I'm not the first person to take it. Because if they turn into an alligator, I want to know that beforehand. Like, that's kind of like a normal, I mean, maybe not the alligator thing, but I get that, right? Yeah. So there's definitely like a a very kind of ordinary history for this. But also like what you said is true. Something about vaccines is a little bit different. Like, um, and and there's different personalities as well. Mm -hmm. When my doctor prescribes me a drug, I don't ask what's in it. I'm like, sweet, this is gonna make me feel better. Awesome. Yep. I, I'm Father Anthony, and I love drugs. That's what I say. <laughs> you can take that clip and ruin my priesthood. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Father Harrison, what's the uh, the Catholic uh, worry right. about this particular vaccine or any vaccine? Okay. So, uh, well, actually, with these vaccines, these two at least, there is no Catholic yeah. worry. <laughs> um, honestly, okay. honestly, there is no Catholic worry. But uh, the question is always: Are are vaccines ethically sourced? Yeah. So this is the question. It's not so much. Although I will say there, there are some real um, out there ideas around vaccines. I have heard stuff like, "Hey, um, I've heard stuff about like." Uh, secret stuff being put in the vaccines to control us and mm-hmm. stuff that's just really out there um and, and and just not provable um right so but this is the question is it ethically sourced and this is by this i mean the question is i mean there's two questions around ethical sourcing of vaccinations okay one is how have you tested it on human populations like has it been done because this has not always been the case like i was reading actually something around the vaccines and 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 african-american populations in the south and why it's going to take a really concerted effort for the government to convince a certain people i think it was in georgia to take the vaccine because african-americans were force tested about a certain vaccine like 100 years ago Mm mm-hmm and it had horrible it had horrible side effects on them and and so this living memory kind of still stays with that community and so that's that's bad right forcing vaccinations on people is never okay um this is why the church and even i would say pretty much every western democracy has says there is no it's all it's always voluntary okay cannot be forced so that's your ethical question in terms of like use generally and then your second question is how is it made in the sense of does it use cell lines f- that come from illicit means such as abor- abortions so 
and, and and this is like I, I think this is really important to say just off the bat though when we're talking about cell lines from abortions because the way it's sometimes presented is as if they're continually aborting children to create cell lines almost like every vaccine, vaccine every yeah. dose needs an aborted child that's not the case they're using some cell so there are some cell lines that are absolutely coming from aborted children but and then there's a couple they're not actually quite sure if it does or not um hmm. um the the documentation is just too shoddy to actually really know if it was yeah. an aborted child or not um and uh but then these cell lines are replicated pretty much at they're standard now right so mm-hmm. all these cell lines you're always talking about and hearing about in the news around these vaccines they're all um these are all from uh children from the 1970s they're not reaborting new children it's not the way this works. They're able to replicate cell lines, but there's still ethical questions about if it's coming from an aborted child, what does that have implications for us? Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, just so that we're perfectly clear, mm-hmm. abortion is always a moral evil. Correct. There's no way it's ever correct acceptable, right? Right. So, always bad. Always bad. Yes. Okay. So, yes. Always like, bad. Let's... So, yeah, and I think we're going to get into this. So the question is yeah. how much cooperation is going on if it's using you know and this these are the questions and this is why this is going to be really important because like some of these vaccines uh i'm sorry i know it's your topic but it's also no, no, something this is, good. <laughs> this is stuff i uh i actually I, tricked I read you into doing a topic by picking your article so yeah. <laughs> it's all part of my master plan uh, there are vaccines that have greater ethical worries than others and so there's even a hierarchy of good but we have to be careful about just um uh, you know, yeah, we have to be careful. So like, uh, so for example, and we can go into more details in a bit, but Moderna Pfizer are um, pretty ethically clean. Um, and I'll, I can explain that later. AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson actually have some worries and, and we should be perhaps, we can still receive them if they're the only ones we have access to, but we should be wary of it. And we should okay. be trying, you know, like these are que- because they actually develop and produce their vaccines with these cell lines. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this because I think this yeah. is important because this actually links to larger ideas about ethics. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, we have the time to talk about it a little bit. Yep. So let's try to make this as concrete as possible. Okay. There are some people that are saying, okay, because abortion has been used uh, in some capacity for the vaccine because abortion is this incredibly grave moral evil probably the greatest moral evil in the west um we can't cooperate with this in any way shape or form that is usually how the argument is presented why you should not take the vaccine right so you want me to comment on that well, you or, can, sorry. or I can keep going. Oh, sorry, keep going. Yes, keep, it's your topic, yeah. so keep okay. going. <laughs> and so, and then when um, you begin to hear the the reasoning behind this, because it's complicated, it can seem like you are dancing around the question. So right. the idea, like we can never cooperate with this, that's a strong, powerful uh, idea. It's simple, easy to understand. But then right. when you start talking about what are the actual ethics of this, and you hear words like material co- cooperation, formal cooperation. Uh, uh, proximate or immediate it sounds like you're making stuff up right I want to make the material formal cooperation a little more concrete yeah. so that 
it doesn't sound made up because it's actually incredibly important. It is uh, and th- in living the world. And I'll just quickly show. So I would encourage people to read my article though because this is why yeah. I wrote it. Because I understand most people would not understand the phrase remote uh, material. Uh, um, what's the? It's like there's like four adjectives before it all, right? There's uh, proximate and remote. Yep. Um, what else? Mater- there? Okay, there's let's material go. Okay, formal let's do- and anyways, but it's just like essentially the church's way of saying it is is saying like she says uh, uh rem- remote um no sorry remote um material cooperation if it's been using in its development and and procurement. Time out. Uh, okay. We're gonna break this down. Okay. Yes. Step by step. Yes. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say. Most people don't get that, right? And they and and, and, and most people don't think that way, and that's okay. It's yeah, like, it is okay. And that's, that's why I wrote the article because I'm like, most people won't get this, so let's not even yeah. worry about those words. Yeah, but for the reason, people yeah. don't read, people listen to podcasts, so this is what we're gonna do. That's okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. The first distinction: yes, uh, formal and material cooperation with evil. So formal cooperation mm-hmm. with evil is that there's an evil thing happening. Yeah, and you are. Um, cooperating with it with the intent to do that evil. Correct. So, in a general sense, um, let's say that producer Nick wants to punch Father Harrison in the face. And I go to uh, to watch this happen and to cheer producer Nick on. Mm-hmm. I am formally cooperating with the evil because look at that face. It's very punchable. <laughs> it's very punchable. Give yourself more credit, Father Harrison. <laughs> that is a that's the face that God made, whether you like it or not. Um, right. So that would be evil. So formal cooperation, that's an mm-hmm. evil thing to do. Right. Okay. Um, what would be a material cooperation? Um, I'm going to use a more serious example. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is what I use to pass my exams, um, so I could become a priest. Um, and the the classic example is what happens if you work in a hospital that um, does abortions okay there's a bunch of different ways you can work in that hospital mm-hmm. you could be the person performing the abortion mm-hmm. that's just straight up an evil act you're participating in that in a direct way that's bad mm-hmm. you could be the person giving the anesthetic mm-hmm. now that is that could be a few different things Right. But you're definitely participating in the evil in some way. Mm-hmm. We can parse out that thing. But you also could be the janitor right. in the hospital. Right? Yeah. Okay. You can see how these things are different. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Because you can say that the janitor is participating in evil. He is upholding this institution, which is allowing abortions to perform. Right. To be performed. Okay. And I think it would be different if you were in a hospital versus an abortion clinic. Right. Right. Because abortion clinic basically does one thing, right? Exactly. That, and you're you're and sustaining a, its it's you're sustaining its operation while a mm-hmm. hospital has many things going on. That's just one of those things. And some are like they probably have a NICU unit in that hospital as yep. well, right? Yep. Like literally life saving, saving yep. babies' lives. Um, and this is why this question is important, because we live in a really complicated and oftentimes very screwed up world. Very messy. And the only way to never cooperate with evil in some sense in this fallen world is to nearly impossible. Into the middle of nowhere. 
go into the middle of nowhere. But also, like, you're going to say in a, in a vague sort of sense, you could argue that that could be an evil thing to do on some sort of level, maybe. Like, but yeah, you have to you become can... like you have to become like Doug Forsythe in The Good Place, right? Uh, you remember the Canadian, the Canadian from Calgary, who guessed how the how the point system works, and he lived in this house that didn't yes. depend on energy or anything like that, and he didn't want to cooperate with anything in the world. But he ended up that he still had cooperated in it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, that actually, yeah, I was thinking about the good places involved with this. Now they take that idea to the extreme. So anyone who's ever cooperating, they show, evil, but they, yeah, exactly. They but they yeah. show the craziness of this idea that if we're all actually cooperating with evil, we are all. We're going to the bad place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is why these distinctions are important. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that janitor who doesn't have a lot of job opportunities, maybe doesn't have mm-hmm. any except for this job, or yeah. it'd be too risky for him and his family for him to try to find another job. Right. Right. There, there's levels and levels and levels. Okay. Yeah. So you would say that the cooperation with evil that a janitor is performing, you have to make several distinctions. One, it's material. So he's he's not intending to do abortions or right. to participate in that. Right. Um, so it's material. Um, it's also um, immediate. So yeah. there's immediate, immediate. So direct and indirect. Okay. Yeah. So he's not directly involved in the procedure. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you could also say this is remote and mm-hmm. not proximate. He's not even around the area of the procedure when it's happening. Usually, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you factor in all those things, and it's not a moral evil for him to be a janitor. Right. In the hospital, important right. portions. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess for me, it would be to use your earlier example, just to mm-hmm. make it perhaps a little bit clearer for people. Yeah. Is you know Nick is going to punch me in the face. Mm-hmm. You just kind of you heard about it, yeah. and uh, yeah, um, perhaps, um, but you don't show up. You don't go on to cheer it, but you just you know about it. Um, I guess maybe it doesn't quite work, but it doesn't work. So actually, yeah. that's important. Yeah, yeah. Because I would have a moral obligation Fishing. to at least try, try because I'm his bro- because I'm his brother. Yeah. That and I have influence on this situation. I have a moral obligation, right, to do the reasonable effort to stop it. Right. right? But but you're not. Uh, dang it! I forgot to press record on the video again. Anyways, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. No. Um, you're right. It, it's 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 a um, you would have to do something. So I guess though. But here's the thing. Yeah. And this is why I wrote the article. Most people, when they hear all this, mm-hmm. their eyes glaze over. Because most people, here's you're right. The world is messy. It's complicated. But we don't have the time or energy to think through the messiness, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And I get it. Like sometimes people just want to know yes or no, right. and 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 um, so it's important. Like, so what, what we're trying to address with this is this idea is like so because like here's the important question. Then right, you have to ask. So I think you can break it down to a few questions because I I, I guess I, I try to avoid that language only because most people can't even like we. You have Catholics who have like older Catholics who have like a grade two education. Sure. Right. They just you know they're not they haven't been taught how to think in these subtle categories. So how, what can they give them as that's the basics to say how to make a moral discernment? So you have to ask yourself, am I cooperating with an abortion when I'm using this vaccine? Yeah. And the answer in all, this is the interesting thing in all these cases, even if it's using those cell lines is no, you are not. Okay. Then let's get right. specific. So right. first of all, it's not just us saying this, this is yeah. the, the, uh, the CDF saying this. 
This is yeah, and this is also rooted, saying this. Yeah, and this is rooted in Dignitatis Personae, which was a document on bioethics released by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth in two thousand and eight. Uh, so this is not just the current pontificate. This this is rooted in the Church's tradition of moral thought, and 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 really comes comes through in, in John Paul II's uh, magisterium as well. So, uh, so they have to, so so in all those cases, you're not cooperating because you're not saying I because cooperation means to work with the action itself. That abortion happened 50 years ago. And even those who performed it perhaps were not intending it for this use or anything like that. Uh, so you're not You actually... gave a good example in your article. Yeah. Which about, one was that? Oh, the death, uh, the, di- the dying person? The, the, or the murder? Driving the murder? and the, art- and the um, organs. Okay. Did you give that one? Oh, I, I, I think I, tw- I actually, I forgot what I wrote there. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, for example, yeah. Um, let's say someone donates their organs uh, after they die, right? That's mm-hmm. in their will or whatever, mm-hmm. and someone gets uh, a new lung, okay? Right. But the reason that person died is because they were struck by a drunk driver. Yeah. By receiving that lung, are you participating in the act of that guy driving drunk? No, you're not. And the answer is no. Yeah. Okay. But also, let's let's tweak this a little bit. Yeah. Because um, the question is like, wait, um, that was not an act. What if? It may not have been an intentional action. Are you supporting drunk driving though? Right. Because if people die because of drunk driving, aren't you it's, implicitly supporting it? Because right. a good came out or, of or this to, evil. Yeah. Or here's another example. I think I yeah. changed the example a bit because I I read it somewhere and I couldn't remember where and I didn't want to be plagiarizing um good <laughs> which is uh the example i read somewhere was no if, more if, canadian if, priests yeah. plagiarizing uh, <laughs> uh the question was if someone was a murder victim mm-hmm. and they don't and that murder victim donated their organs and they were able to be donated you receiving that organ is in no way shape or form complicit with the action of murder because you did not intend the murder for yourself to receive the organs the only guilty party is the person performing it so the guilty parties in this case in regards to vaccines is first the people performing the abortion Mm -hmm. um then secondly if companies are using these cell lines in their development they are morally culpable but then it changes drastically when we are, we are the recipient, right? This is where our and, and the church's real stance is that you should be making an absolute claim for ethically sourced vaccines, absolutely. But and this is where I think it's important to understand the distinctions in some of the vaccines because it, there's mm-hmm. a lot of information and misinformation out there, and I just think it's important to set the record straight. And, and someone else, there, there's an article on church. Uh, uh, Notre Dame's Church Life Journal on vaccines by Brett Selkid, who's a fellow Canadian who wrote that today. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I know it's going to be good because he and I have talked about this a bit. And then um, Father Matthew Schneider, LC, has uh, done a lot of great work engaging with this. He's dealing concretely with a lot of, and a lot of perhaps, um, how do I want to put it? extreme example uh, extreme arguments that have been put out there and trying to really present the church's position on this stuff so let's break it down into these vaccines itself because this is uh, okay because this is really really important moderna and pfizer so there's three categories there's testing okay there's Mm -hmm. development and there's production Mm -hmm. From what I've been able to read, again, I'm not. Now I recognize I'm not a scientist, and so I, you know, it's a struggle sometimes to make wade your way through this. But I, de- I also depended on bioethicists and their verdicts on this stuff. Pfizer and Moderna 
both used data from a University of Dallas test on the spike proteins of the coronavirus, okay? The University of Dallas did use some cell lines. Now, one of them is of questionable origin of whether it's an abortion or not, the HEK293 cell line. So that's, you know, that's another, that's a whole other ethical issue. If it's not even from it, then you're fine, really. Um, um, but so the University of Dallas is the one who used those cell lines. Moderna and Pfizer simply used the data from those tests. Mm-hmm. So they're not being complicit. They're not approving of the actions uh, of the University of Dallas to use those cell lines. They're not cooperating with that. By It's not like they said, we want you to do this, and these are the things we want you to do. They, right they simply use the data. So there's no cooperation there. Again, it's, it's like, it's the, again, using, it's, we're going to take the organs from the dead person who was murdered, but we're not engaged in the murder at all. Yeah. Right. It or happened. Even something like, let's say someone with a, I mean, this is a crazy example. Let's say someone with a particular um, disease was mm-hmm. murdered and then scientists studied that body to figure yeah. out how to cure that disease. Right. That doesn't mean they wanted the murder to happen. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're so, not cooperating with the murder. Exactly. So, but then in production, so this is, so that's actually a great first line. There is no actual cooperation between the testing and and these two companies okay on top of and and listen i actually had some people say well it sounds like father is being paid by the vaccine companies i get trust me zilch at all <laughs> zilch you can tell by his lighting if he, if he oh actually, no, no, the video isn't <laughs> yeah. recording yeah but uh we would have much it's, better equipment if he was getting paid exactly exactly <laughs> uh but in the production and development they don't use these cell lines at all in them mm-hmm. These are some of the most ethically clean vaccines we have seen in a long time. We have had, as Catholics, we have actually probably taken more morally compromising ones in the past. Okay, so that's so that's your first thing. So I think as Catholics, we actually have a, kind, a sort of at least an ethical duty to try to push to receive one of these vaccines. Okay. Okay. Why? This is important. This is right. links back to a previous episode. So uh, there's two things. I'll get to the common good question in a second. Yeah. Because that's, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Keep uh, going the, with your thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, because so the AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson ones absolutely use these cell lines in all three stages. Oh, wow. Okay. That's bad. So, that's bad. But here's the thing. As a Catholic, you can still receive them if if there's no other alternative. So maybe you're living in an area where all they got was the AstraZeneca one. You can you can receive that one if that's all you can get. If you can have access or you can make a claim to try and push for the other ones, you can do that. Um, but, um, and, but, and the reason is this is for a good, no one was actively murdered. No one was actively aborted for this. Like here's, cause I think this is the other question. There is a mm-hmm. difference between someone being actively aborted or murdered for the sake of this vaccine versus using a cell line that was, 50 years ago okay like right, we have yeah. a lot we do you want to know where we, where we cooperate with evil a lot more seriously than we do with these vaccines your cell phone yeah your cell phone is far more morally dangerous in terms of its production than your vaccines again you're still not cooperating with it like in a in a in a immediate way but yeah it actually has more moral concerns um so the church because the church essentially says you, it's not your fault and and again, if and because no one was actively hurt to produce this vaccine, you can receive it with a clear conscience. But you also have the freedom to say no to it for mm-hmm. 
a more ethically sourced vaccine. Now, absolutely, we should even still be making a concern, a, a concerted effort to even say like the testing, yeah, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not okay. It's not ethically okay. But we're like 20 steps removed from the immoral action, <laughs> right? And and the church is essentially saying, yeah, that that's a morally clear space for you to receive it in good conscience. So that's yeah. the first thing. Now, this is the interesting thing that I took away from the CDF document. This is something I put at the end of my article, uh, not expecting it. But then the CDF goes like, hey, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, oh, well, not that they read my thing, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the CDF <laughs> yeah, said Father Harrison is right. <laughs> I was just, it was nice to see the confirmation. Sure. It's something uh, the USCCB bishops have also said, and is that, because this is the question of the common good now. If you're not going to receive the vaccine, you have had to have weighed the public good in your moral decision making. And if you're going to choose to not receive it, then you have to have a serious reason. It can't just be my rights. Um, because freedom, as we talked about last week, is not just an individualistic thing. It's something that is connected. Okay. And uh, if you're not going to receive it, you have to act in such a way that you're not going to bring a harm to society while it's in the midst of a pandemic. So essentially, the church is saying that you have to have strong reasons not to receive the vaccine. Right. And I think, I think this is a possibility. Like, uh, for example, if you are, um, you know, especially if you're like a a uh, public or like you're in ministry um, to try to prevent abortions and that sort of thing. Yeah. You you already live a in a particular way. You've chosen to take on a more radical lifestyle. Right. Um, in support of this. Yeah. Um, and this is there's a history of the church in this, right? Right. Like Franciscans take on a more radical lifestyle, depending on the Franciscan. Um, uh, not everyone is obligated to sell mm-hmm. all of their things, but that example is a good thing. So okay, right. maybe you're doing this. Um, and so as part of what you're doing, you're not going to take this uh, vaccine. Um, but also on top of that, you're going to stay away from people who are vulnerable. You're still going to limit until there's enough um, herd immunity from the vaccine, right? You're going to do mm-hmm. all these things and be consistent in it. The one thing that I find interesting is that like in that example, that person is morally consistent. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lack of moral consistency in some people who reject the idea of the vaccine that right in order for them to to reasonably choose not to take it for the reasons we mentioned there's a contradiction in their lifestyle by everything else that they participate in even mm-hmm. if in this very remote and morally illicit okay way mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i think this is another thing and i want to get too much on this I feel like this is another way in which um, political uh, questions have gotten into this, mm-hmm. or weird conspiracy stuff has gotten into this. Um, yeah, like just to be clear, um, the CDF does not say you have to take this vaccine, right? right. Yeah, but just, just like anything, it just says like if you make a serious action, you have to have a reasoning for it. Yeah, there has to have been serious moral consideration. This is not just something we just do willy nilly. This is yeah. actually. Because it is a consistent life ethic issue, essentially. And, and even if you were to not take it for all those yeah. understandable reasons, yeah. you should not be saying the CDF is wrong. So this is, yeah, can I, yeah, this is, I think this is really, really important here. Um, 
And I really, I think this is a, an issue that I think we really have to address because this gets to something deeper of, you're right, politics have kind of entered into it and everything like that. Um, we've lost obedience to the church, essentially, as, yeah. as, 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 as Westerners. Um, mm -hmm. We are, and it's happened on both sides. Yeah, very much so on both okay. sides. It, it's, it's, everyone used to blame, quote unquote, the left for this. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I would even say more prevalent on the right quote unquote today with these particular with, issues with these particular issues and right some yeah. circles yeah right? yeah yeah it's like it's you know? say, i'm not saying i'm not saying the left is right or actually no, they're, no. they're both sides of the same coin okay yes. and uh and i want to kind of because i think there's also a pastoral response to that i think we should address quickly but before we do that i just want to say like obedience to the church is absolutely essential and yeah. that if we say the church is wrong here then we've ceased being Catholic. Right. Because, and because here's the other thing, and this is actually for me one of the most beautiful things that has come out in these last few months. Except for a couple, every bishop is saying the same thing. Yeah. When was the last time that happened? <laughs> it's a, no, it's really amazing. It's beautiful. It's great. I'm like, oh, this is, this is what unity looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what a united front looks like. You know, I've even seen documents from the SSPX saying that the vaccine is morally licit as well. Exactly. So it's not just your crazy lefty bishop. It's, right. um, it's a lot of circles so, uh, saying this. But okay, and I think this is the other thing. I, we have to be careful though too, okay? Because maybe we have right. some people who are hesitant for a variety of reasons. I, yeah. I, I want to address some of those things because I think... We need to also, it's something we, we as priests sometimes, we, we can get reactive. It's why I wrote my article, because I'm like seeing all this stuff online, it, it seeps into the pews. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I worry about that. Yeah. But what are we doing to listen? So by this, I mean, um, there is, people are saying these things because they have real concerns. I know one of the big concerns is it has nothing to do with the ethics. It has everything to do with uh, the quickness. This, right. It's right? a new thing. It's and that's scary. Thing. And that's and scary. And understandably so. Right. But talking to friends who have worked in this field before, they've gone through every bit of rigor that everything went. The pro, what they usually take a long time is not because of the testing or anything or the data. It's because they refile paperwork over and over again while the FDA or the Canadian Health Authority just drags their feet. Um, so... We, we've learned how to do things faster. And that's actually a good thing. And, and I think you might see that as becoming more normative. So, but, but it's a fair concern. And here's the thing. Most of us aren't going to get it right away anyways. I mean, but here's the other thing. We wouldn't be vaccinating our frontline workers first if this, if this yeah. was a problem. Uh, it would literally destroy society if they all had <laughs> adverse reactions to it. Because this is the other thing. If a vaccine doesn't have an adverse reaction after about a month, you're really not going to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing. I mean, yeah, there's a few people who have allergies and stuff, but that's like that's really minor. Like, um, so that's the first thing. But I think, and that's with any medicine, right? Be so some okay, so some people have still have ethical concerns. So what can we do better to listen on that stuff? Because I think it's fair, and I think sometimes the reactionism is sometimes people just feel unheard a lot. Yeah, and I don't know what we can do better because I think as priests, we get so used to being in the position to just teach. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's, it, listen, it's our job to teach. Um, mm -hmm. But I think we need to listen to what's going on spiritually in their hearts that we need to address and, and address um, gently and pastorally 
to draw them into this. Because if we just say, if you just sit, get up there and say, this is what the church teaches, obey or get out, um, yeah. that's just going to widen the divide. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessary either. So I don't know. No. I don't have an answer, to be honest. I just, I've just been thinking, like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh, wait, we got to, we got to listen a bit to, not to perhaps, like, I'm not saying by that I'm validating a, a hard anti-vax thing or anything like that. I'm just saying, right. rather, everyone deserves to be listened to. Right. I And I agree. And um, that's why I think, and this is, this is also a difficult thing because, okay, so people have understandable and reasonable worries about a new drug, a new yeah. vaccine. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is a difficult thing to address when um, in the modes that we normally do. You know, um, that's why uh, you writing your article was so important because you can get into some of the stuff in an understandable way. Uh, that's why I we're trying to do <laughs> some explanation on this podcast. Um, because for some people, they, I think the only way to allay fears is to give the church teaching, to give what we understand uh, of the science, and that's going to take time. And so you need the right format to give the right time. Uh, and hopefully this podcast is one of them. Your article is another one of them. Um, and and like I, I, I tried to say this in the beginning. I'm really not trying to be dismissive of, one, the fear that there's a new drug and I just don't know what this is going to do. This mm-hmm. is going to affect my family and my life, right? Yeah. Um, or two, like if all you've heard is like something about um, aborted uh, fetuses and this drug, like yeah, if that's what you've heard, then of course you're worried because yeah. you're a good Catholic and you're pro-life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's why you need to take the time um, to, because it's, these are big moral questions. And I think most Catholics, if they do take the time and they find the right resources, like your article, like mm-hmm. hopefully this podcast, mm-hmm. um, they can they can understand this just as well as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, they'll just hear, "Hey, the CDF or the church says it's okay. That's good enough for me. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that either." Yeah, you know. No, I agree. Um, I, I, yeah, because like there was a part of the resistance was I think this concern because the church yeah. has said we have to be careful with certain vaccines in the past, but um, but I know. I can't remember which vaccine it was. There was a vaccine. The church is like, eh, we should be careful because of what it's saying, not because of how it was sourced. Um, uh, but this is a not, there's two different, but again, there's two different distinctions. First, often sometimes she might be saying, well, this isn't an emergency. Like this is an emergency case. This yeah. doesn't fix things. More lives are going to go, right? Like, but yeah. secondly, um, the, see, the church, again, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of moral questions. And I think, I think one of the good things coming out of that is like, we actually have to think this stuff through. And this is, this is why this is kind of behind why I talked about the common good last week. Yeah. Because that's what we got to be. And that's got to be at the heart of how we're thinking morally. It's not just about me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How do my actions impact others? And if I can't, so for example, taking our thing together if uh if i can't if if i'm going to choose not to take it and i can't live a life that can protect others i actually got to bring and and i don't i actually got to bring that to confession mm-hmm. i mean like i i think i i, I uh, to our best of our ability right um but i mean like it's saying like or i actually have to just i do have to take the vaccine but the the it and i think it's going to give us a new uh, desire and maybe this is something where Catholic scientists can 
really work to build up some because part so part of the reason this is hard is these cell lines are just what scientists normally use these are standards so in some senses again it's a I know it's weird to say this, but it's a good thing again because they're not just making new cell lines all the time. Because that just that takes a lot of money and effort to do that. Um, but maybe we need to start developing more ethically sourced cell lines that can do the same work. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and I think that's somewhere like, yeah, I got a few ideas already. I'm not going to mention them right now, but um, I just think that that's where Catholic scientists could really do some great groundbreaking work. This is where Catholic. Uh, financial backers could say we're going to really put our money behind developing more ethically sourced vaccines yeah. like there's a whole possibility and i think it's kind of awakened that and that's a good thing but at the same time we're not like it's not the church is saying like we're, we're 20 steps removed this yeah. isn't really you should be more worried about your phone than this vaccine morally mm-hmm. speaking okay i yeah. think we've gone long <laughs> enough hopefully yeah. that was helpful and somewhat clarifying um but uh, if it's complicated, it's because these questions are complicated, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me uh, playing my new video game I got for Christmas. You can find me at FR Harrison on Twitter. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalBot on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at ClericalSpeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless. Okay, we did it. I think.